Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. probably get to 160 170 this year beating my last year total <clears throat> although I'm not playing um the higher dollars like I did last year on some so my overall dollars might be about the same but um love the new format love the new layout if you haven't done MFL 10s yet um I strongly advise that you check them out <clears throat> today we're going to as I often do, try and do something a little bit differently. Um, instead of doing a solo pod, I'm actually going to interview myself. Uh, about a year ago, I came up with a concept called stack cuffing, which I occasionally use in best balls. And there's, a, I get a lot of questions about it, more than I probably deserve, um, because it isn't a major strategy. So I thought it would be kind of fun for me to interview myself about stack cuffing. So I want to introduce my guest right now for the uh, episode, me. So uh, Todd from PA, tell us uh, about stack cuffing. What is it? Well, what stack cuffing is, is I was on Twitter and guys were talking about stacking. And one guy was talking about um, backing up the running back from two teams of the same team and calling it uh, stacking like DFS. And another guy said, no, that's handcuffing. So I said to them, well, once in a while I look to do um, two running backs from the same team, and I I don't think either name fits. I think it's more like stack cuffing. So that's pretty much how it came about, and it's basically taking two – players from the same team at the same position and hoping that it leads to success for your best ball teams. Uh, did you stack cuff uh, Todd much last year and how successful was it? Well, again, um, I talk about a lot that this isn't something I go into a draft looking to do. Um, I would say about 10% of my drafts have a stack cuff. Um, maybe a little more this year because I've included some other positions, um, but I don't go out of my way to do it. But to answer your question, Todd from PA, um, yeah, I did it, um, and it was successful uh, a couple times. It was league-winning uh, strategy where I drafted Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt. Ware got hurt, and, uh, you know, Hunt went off. Uh, so that that's uh, – 
And if I, it came basically from uh, Tevin Coleman and Freeman the year before and how if you had stacked them together, how good it would have done. So is, is it easy to stack Huff? I mean, when you look to do it, what are the criterias that you look for and how do you kind of think, well, now I'm going to do a stack cuff and now I'm not going to do a stack cuff? That, that's a good question, Todd. So um, basically, like I said, it started with Freeman and Coleman and my thoughts and saying, huh, I wonder if I could find other situations like Freeman and Coleman and – you know, get the advantage and the upside. So there's there's four main things about stack cuffing that I think are important. The first the first thing I, I already mentioned. I don't chase stack cuffing. Um, yeah, I think if you're going into a draft looking to do this strategy, you're doing it wrong. Um, the most important part of stack cuffing to me is that both sides of the equation need to be able to be drafted at value. And what I mean by that is I like both players to be able to hit their floor without any injury or changes uh, at their current ADP because that's what basically uh, Coleman and Freeman were two years ago and what Hunt and Ware were. Uh, In both cases, you could get one guy in the sixth, seventh round and the other guy in the uh, ninth, tenth round. So you think to yourself – can they pay off ADP as a, you know, a, let's say one guy has a two, gets the two-third share and the other guy gets the one-third, could they both pay off that draft spot? And if the answer is yes, um, then I'm willing to consider stack cuffing. So basically, once I get the first guy at a value, I wait until the other guy is on the board um, later, and I say, okay, is he uh, uh, at a value where he could pay off his ADP uh, without anything happening as well? And if both ends make sense, then, yeah, I'll cuff them together. And if they don't uh, have an injury, then, you know, I should be able to pay off that 6th and ninth or 7th and 10th round picks. Um, I'm happy. And if one of them gets an injury, well, like last year, you could get first-round value um, if you're doing it on the right offense. Um, Are there any other, Todd, are there any other situations that you look for, um, any other caveats to doing this? Um, Yes, Todd, good question. Uh, You really are a very talented uh, question guy who does questions. Um, So basically... um, a couple of deal breakers for me are situations where there are three players fighting for a role. You know, I really think it only works well when you've got two running backs um, or even, at a, if, you know, I've included other positions. When you get into a situation where you, you say to yourself, there's two guys f- fighting for first and second down um, jobs and there's a third guy who's the third down back, similar to in Cleveland this year with Chubb and Hyde and Duke Johnson, uh, there's no way I'm going to draft all three of them because you can't pay off value without injuries. So um, that's one thing. Uh, it's it's really a, a two-player strategy. 
And as I mentioned earlier, um, it really kind of ignites when I get the first player at value. The key to me is finding situations where you don't have to spend a ton of draft capital and where you think each player can pay off his ADP without an injury. And then if you get um, an injury, you're golden. Um, Okay. So um, are there any other things that you should avoid when you're talking about stack cuffing? Um, Well, in my mind, you know, Basically, there's a couple things. I don't press the strategy. I let it come to me. Um, I really don't look to do it by taking a very early running back with another early running back. So this year, again, Freeman and Coleman, you know, a second-round pick and a sixth-round pick, it's going to be hard for them to pay off ADP um, together. And if you get an injury, you're really not upgrading that much. So that's the other thing. And then, um, again, last year I said I don't stack cuff other positions. I still don't do it at quarterback, but I've added in uh, some wide receiver positions this year and some uh, quarterbacks. So, Todd, when when you think about last year and the whole thing with uh, Ware and Hunt, just take us through one more time exactly why it was that you thought that was an ideal stack cuff. All right, well, I, I think it, here's the math. So do I reasonably think, you know, this is me thinking last year at this time, do I reasonably think that Spencer Ware can pay off the value in the sixth, seventh round um, as a 1A back to Hunt's 1B? The answer to me was yes. Do I think Kareem Hunt can do the same thing in the 10th round as a 1B back? Yeah, I did. If the roles switch and Hunt is 1A and 1B, does it hurt me? No, as long as it's two-thirds, one-third, really doesn't matter which one I draft first. In fact, it's a hedge against, you know, if you just draft Ware alone and Hunt wins the starting job, you know, then Ware's not going to pay off that uh, earlier pick. So in in my mind, in situations where you don't know who's going to win the battle, Stack cuffing is almost better than taking the front end alone. Um, And then lastly, if one of them gets hurt, do I think that the one player would perform at a rate where I wouldn't mind trading a sixth and a tenth round pick to get the result? And that's that's the final math that you have to do in your brain. If you're stack cuffing, if the best thing happens, are you really going to get a big advantage? So can I make my floor without anything happening, and can I gain a big advantage? That was the math behind Hunt and Ware last year. Well, with that being in mind, Todd, um, let's start talking about some of the situations for this year at the running back position. Uh, We talked about uh, Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware. Do you think that they're a good stack cuff this year, or do you think that it's more of an old handcuff? situation uh well you know it's a little bit of both but i think that if i haven't been drafting much of kareem hunt in the first round because of spencer ware um but i think that if you're going to draft kareem hunt spencer ware is a good handy uh handcuff and for the most part i don't 
do much handcuffing, traditional backup, you're starting running back uh, with a backup. But I think in this case, because Ware is just so cheap and has so much upside, and, you know, if he's healthy, he should get a one-third, two-thirds role. I think it's a way of hedging your Kareem Hunt shares. Um, I haven't done it much myself, but um, it's something that I'm, uh, I do look to do when I do take a Kareem Hunt share early on. So you say that you're not a big uh, Kareem Hunt guy this year. Uh, what's your ownership like on Kareem Hunt so far this year? Well, um, I'll have to look. I'll have to go to, as everyone who does uh, listens to the show knows, I go to Best Ball Command Center. I put in my team name, and I do Hunt. And I only own 4% of Kareem Hunt. Like I said, I'm kind of down on him. And Spencer Ware, how much do you own of Spencer Ware? I actually own 15% of Spencer Ware. I think he's a great late-round fifth or sixth running back. Um, A lot of my teams, as I've talked about earlier this year, have six running backs, and many of them only have five. But if I I feel like a team needs a sixth, Spencer Ware in the 18th, 19th round, um, if he's healthy, he's going to pay off that in spades. And then if uh, Hunt gets hurt and he's healthy, you really have um, a lot of room. So I, I don't I, I don't consider it a stack up per se, um, but I, I I do have a couple teams. You know, when I get Hunt, I do look to back him up with Ware. But the way I'm playing that situation is to buy more Spencer Ware. Obviously, fifteen to four percent. Let's uh, take a break since I'm interviewing myself to have a drink of water. All right. So um, another situation that um, I think a lot of people would equate Todd with stack cuffing is Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Um, Would you stack up them? Well, no, I really wouldn't. Um, Even with the injury to Ingram, he hasn't dropped far enough to where I think I'm going to gain a huge advantage by putting them on the same team. Uh, I'm about even weight on Kamara. Uh, Let's see. That's a good question. Let's see where I am. I want to be even weight, and I'm a little overweight at 10% with even weight being – and I'm at 7% on Ingram. When when I see Ingram fall to the fifth round, I take him. Um, but I'm not I'm not looking to stack up him because, again, the two rules. Can they pay off ADP if neither one gets hurt? Maybe. Can they um, – if one gets injured, are you going to get a huge advantage? No. At best, if Kamara gets hurt and Ingram comes off surgery uh, – the in you know the uh suspension and plays really well he'll you know they'll probably have another back active um they always seem to and you'll be lucky to get the the you know Kamara's spot paid off so no I don't look to do that the next team we can look at Todd is the Chicago Bears and Jordan Howard and Tarek Cohen um I'm guessing that's not a big stack cuff for you nope it's not. Um, I'm a big owner of Jordan Howard, about 17, 18%. I don't have much Cohen at all. I don't see the value in stack cuffing them because if you do, 
if Howard goes down, I, I can't see them increasing Cohen's role. So if I don't think he's worth the six now, I'm, I'm not going to think that he'll be worth one with an injury or maybe a little bit. Uh, but no way will he pay off the early third and sixth round. You'd have to pay for both of them. The next one is um, Derek Henry and Dion Lewis. W- what are your thoughts there? Well, in the beginning, I wasn't stack-cuffing them or drafting either of them after the Dion Lewis signing simply because uh, both were going in the third round, late third, when people were processing. Then Lewis slipped to the fourth, and then Lewis slipped to the fifth. So I started buying Lewis in the fifth. And then about a month ago, um, Henry started dropping into the fourth and even sometimes in the, into the fifth. So if I get uh, uh, Henry in the late fourth and I can get Lewis in the fifth, I did that one time so far. Um, I think it's borderline. So, again, it's not something I'd go out of my way to do. And sometimes even if I had the opportunity to do it at what I consider value, I might pass. Uh, But I do think that both could pay off um, their – ADP if Lewis is a late four and uh, I'm sorry, uh, in the fifth and Henry's a late four or early five. So um, I'm not against it. I've done it once. It was kind of by accident, actually. Uh, But after I thought about it, I said, I'm kind of okay with this. So um, they do kind of fit the criteria, though. Uh, It's a little borderline on the front end, whether they can pay off their value without an injury, but if you get an injury, would you trade Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis for a, you know, a, 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 a mid-second round pick? And I would say, yeah, you would. If you could get one of them healthy, it would pay off somewhere in the second round. So uh, it's borderline, but it's, it's, it's doable as long as Henry keeps falling. One situation every year, Todd, that people want to know more about is the Patriots running back situation is that one that you would stack up. Um, uh, uh, Sony Michelle is in the fifth. You can get Burkhead sometimes in the seventh or eighth. I mean, that's, that's pretty good, right? It it is, except remember, you don't want to stack up three man backfields and James White's going to be the third guy. He's going to play every week catching passes um, so, no, I'm not looking to stack them together at their current ADP. I'd rather take some shots on each of them, especially Burkhead. And the other reason I wouldn't do it is, let's say Burkhead goes down. Does that mean that Sony Michel is going to get all his work plus what he was going to get? No, it doesn't. Uh, Jeremy Hill or Mike Gillisley, one of them will probably make the roster and if not, they probably would sign them if there was an injury. So I don't see the path to um, either of them getting first or second round value. So I don't see the upside in stacking, cuffing them. Uh, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. And why don't you take a sip of water again, Todd? That was a great idea. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Hopefully people aren't getting tired of this gimmick. Um, 
Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones was the first cuff that I thought of this year. I did it a couple times when uh, ADP made sense. And then we started hearing that uh, Ty Montgomery was going to be in the backfield too. So that's a third guy. So I really haven't been looking to do it. I still think push comes to shove Williams and Jones split 80% of that backfield. Uh, but there's just enough doubt there. So I would rather take uh, individual shots on Jones and Williams. I'm overweight on both of them. I think one of them is really going to pay off ADP, but I'm not sure which one. And at this point, I'm not really looking to stack up them. Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines. I haven't stack up them yet, but if you can get Mack in the eighth round and Hines in the tenth, they're really, you know, Robert Turbin is there and probably gets the ball some when he gets back. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really on the fence on this one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, uh, eh, um, one or two shares I wouldn't mind having, but not something I'd go out of my way for. Uh, last of the running backs on my list to ask you about, Todd, is Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. Um, what are your thoughts there? Well, um, I wasn't really buying much of Rashad Penny because I didn't believe Pete Carroll, and now Chris Carson's running with the ones early in camp. Um, But in general, this is a backfield I've been avoiding. McKissick is still there. They've got other backs. Uh, But most importantly, I just think that this is a team that's defense isn't going to be very good anymore, and they're going to be throwing a lot. So I would much rather, if I was going to take someone on the Seahawks, I'm much more likely to take uh, Russ, um, even though I haven't taken that much of him because Newton and Brady go, you know, one to two rounds later and are just as good a value. I mean, uh, just as good, I think, uh, chance-wise to put up around the same numbers. Uh, Wilson could get killed this year. The line is still bad. If Penny's in there, he can't block. Uh, Baldwin I'll take if he's available in the third round um, when I'm up a lot. Um, I like taking shots on Darba in the 20th once in a while. But in general, I just don't have a ton of Seahawks this year. Um, One Todd that came up on the pod uh, a couple weeks ago was Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Now, last year you were not looking to do wide receivers, but you say this year you are interested. Is this one that makes sense? It actually fits the criteria. Um, I do find often in the fifth round there's another wide receiver I like more than Marvin Jones. But if you take Marvin, let's say he drops a little, I think matching him with Galladay, it fits all the criteria you're looking for in stack cuffing. I think Jones could pay off his ADP. Galladay could pay off his ADP. And if one of them goes down, I think, especially Marvin Jones, I think uh, Galladay could crush value. Uh, My only hesitancy is, again, I don't have a lot of Jones in the fifth, so I just probably won't have too much of this cuff. Um, But that is – that's, um, I mean, it's certainly a reasonable – and you certainly could also – take Matt Stafford in the 10th, 11th, and have all three of them. 
Uh, okay. Well, all right. I know that uh, your buddy Michael Leva did that in, in the pod, and you seemed interested in it. Yep, I, I, I am interested. I thought it was pretty cool at the time. Um, I just do still have a little bit of a issue with Marvin Jones's ADP. I, 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 he could pay it off, um, but you got, you know, I, I really like Galladay. I think Galladay is going to get a lot of the touchdowns that Jones got when Galladay was out last year, and uh, I, I'm just drafting other people in that uh, in that fifth round. Okay, so if that is the wide receiver situation you're not looking to do, uh, what's the wide receiver situations that you do like? Well, the, the first one that I, I, I like a lot, and it's Tyrell and Mike Williams. Both of them are going very late. Uh, Hunter Henry's out. So one of these guys is going to start. And both of them are probably, you know, they, the other thing I always like to do in cuffing is I want talented players. Both these guys have shown, you know, Williams and Mike Williams in uh, college, uh, but both of them are, you know, he's a first-round pick. Tyrell has done very well when he's gotten a chance. Um, I think if you get an injury between one of these two guys, you're going to crush ADP, and I don't think you hurt yourself uh, too much. Um, I've got a good bit of Tyrell regardless. Um, but if I get the chance to put them together, I, I think it fits all the criteria. All right. Um, that's, uh, that, that, that's very interesting. Um, you mentioned that you don't do the quarterbacks, and obviously you don't do the defenses. I guess that just leaves us with uh, – well, hold, hold on, Todd. Uh, you forgot one other wide receiver that I like. Um, I think Deshaun Jackson and Chris Godwin – both of those guys going late enough. Um, uh, it's borderline at ADP, but I've seen Deshaun Jackson really falling lately. So I did a cuff there, 15th and 17th round, I think it was. I ended up with Evans and Braid on that team, too. It was just one where the value just kept coming to me. I didn't even realize I pretty much owned their passing attack till after. But I do think Deshaun Jackson and Chris Godwin is very interesting I think you could pay off ADP without much happening. Uh, I don't love it, but I do love that if one of them gets hurt, I think especially Chris Godwin could really have a good year. All right, um, that's good. So let's go back to the tight ends. Um, what are your thoughts on doing it with tight ends this year? Well, you know, I know a lot of people are on Jordan Reed and um, – Vernon Davis, but I, I'm not doing it this year. I did it a little bit last year. I think it's more of a handcuff than a stack cuff. I don't think that Vernon Davis is going to do much without to even pay off Reed, uh, I mean, to pay off his ADP without a Reed injury. Uh, but you do get a lot of value on Reed in the ninth if he's healthy. So I, I'm not against it. Um, but I'm not for it either necessarily. I just um, I just don't think Davis, once he had the job for a number of weeks, he didn't do much last year. So I'm just a little scared of that one. How about Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard? You know, 
I think both of those guys are decent at ADP, but I don't see the need to stack up them. I I, I don't think so, no. Um, any other tight ends that you do think are worth stack huffing? Uh, there is one situation. I, I think that um, Tyler Eifert and uh, Croft are worth uh, stack cuffing. And I think that, you know, if you get Eifert in the 15th round where he's been going lately, I mean, he's got such upside. And I, I made a post on Twitter. I said, if you think that Eifert's going to get hurt and isn't going to play this year, then Croft is a great value in the 18th round and later where you can find him. If you don't think that Eifert's going to get hurt and he's going to play, you know, more than half the season, then he's a steal at his ADP. So I think stack huffing them together uh, as a second and third tight end is actually a really good strategy I think that every, almost every week you're going to get a, a, a good week out of them, and you've got that huge upside in Eifert. So, I, again, I don't love it, but I, I, it is something that I'm definitely willing to consider if all the parts fit. And that includes roster construction. I mean, I didn't talk about roster construction and making that fit as well. So, you know, it's a lot of... Uh, it's a lot of things that have to fall right for some of these tight end cuffs for me, but it's something I, I would consider. So we've done this whole pod, Todd, on stack cuffing, and it seems like almost every situation you don't love. Uh, why do a, an episode on stack cuffing? Well, A, I, you know, it's something I created, so I, I want to keep, you know, at least do one pod a year on it and one article a year on it, because I do think that it's a concept that can really help you in best ball. Um, Also, because people attribute it to me, I want to go through it to make sure that people know what I like and I don't like, and to remind everyone that I just don't, you know, do this all the time, um, and I wanted everyone to know why and when to stack up. All right. Well, I think that covers it. That was my guest, Todd from PA, uh, talking about stack cuffing. And uh, we're really knee-deep into training camps now. Um, hopefully next weekend with the next pod, I'll have Michael Leva and Dan Williamson back on for a um, ADP pod because for the first time in a while, we're going to see some real ADP shifts. So I'm going to be reaching out to those guys uh, to do an ADP pod. And then I I would like to have Elliot Christ, and if he can't make it, he keeps getting bigger and bigger jobs, so I don't know his availability. But I definitely would like to do another rookie pod and review the rookies and how they're doing in camps and their opportunities versus ADP. So a little bit shorter of a pod today. Um, my guest, I guess he talked too fast. Um, anyway, um, you can find me on Twitter at Todd from PA. Um, if you have any questions, definitely reach out to me, say hello. If you could do me the honor of uh, following me on Twitter and then going and rating my pod on iTunes or on Stitcher, 
Um, it really does help the pod. It gets more people to know uh, about best ball and about these podcasts. So that's going to do it for today, folks. Thank you very much, and I will see you next week. <laughs>